We hope and pray by MS. We hope and pray truly that as Hashem, those who are ill should find the Rafua, that those who are grieving should find the that HaKosh Baruch Hu should heal their hearts and give them strength, and that Be'ezus uh, Hashem, all of us will be able to be back together, Be'ezus Hashem, that society will be able to regain its, uh, its place, its position, its togetherness, stronger and better than ever, and uh, ultimately Be'ezus Hashem, to translate into a Gula Shalem. The time I'm going to spend with you tonight I want to divide into three parts. First of all, I'm very grateful for all of you being on here uh, to, to, to be here for this talk, to share, to hear what I want to share with you uh, this evening as we make this transition. And the first, uh, the first part of this, excuse me one second. The, um, the first part, I'm going to, I want to just speak very, very practically about um, the practical steps going forward. There are some changes. Uh, there's a transition from one rabbi to the other. I want just to talk a little bit about what things are going to look like, a little bit practically, and, uh, and just express some feelings about that. Uh, the second part will be looking back at our time together, and the third part will be looking forward, Bezos Hashem towards our time together. Practical steps going forward. Um, I, uh, this week, am assuming a new position, Be'ezus Hashem, as you know, and uh, the position is, uh, is very much a full-time job. Um, it's a demanding job. In the position, I will have responsibility for many different departments of a very, very large organization doing many, many different things, a lot of different people, and uh, being able to find the time to dedicate uh, to all the different tasks and all the different pieces that are presently there, let alone uh, the management of things which come up, uh, the crises such as this current one, which is virtually all-consuming, and as well, of course, developing out you know, new and necessary ideas and initiatives, which are always necessary for, for any organization, and certainly for one with the breadth of the, of the Orthodox Union, is, uh, is very, very challenging. And uh, from, the first, uh, from the first moments of this, con of this, uh, this uh, conversation, that started with the Orthodox Union about me coming there, uh, something which was apparent to, to they who approached me and became apparent to me, sadly apparent to me, was that I wouldn't be able to do two jobs. And not only wouldn't I be able to do two jobs, but um, I wouldn't be able to do one and a half. Um, the, the responsibilities uh, that are inherent in that job are, um, are, are such that I'm going to have to give up doing many things that I really love doing, that I've been my life uh, for, for the past 26 years. I've told, uh, I said to some of you, um, uh, a Shabbos in Shul a couple of months ago, uh, when this announcement was made, that I told you a little story that at the 25th anniversary celebration, which the shul was kind enough to make for us a year ago, very beautiful, beautiful celebration, uh, someone came on Matzei Shabbos, and they came over to me and they said, so, Rabbi Howard, how old is your youngest? And I said, my youngest is in, uh, at the time, was, is in 10th grade. So in 10th grade, ah, okay. So... Two more years, and your kids will all be graduated from, from school. And then you're going to be out of here, Teretz Yisrael. Then you're just going to be out of here. And uh, that was the person's comment. And uh, I, I was very taken aback by the comment. As if I was just like waiting to get out of here. And I think that the, what, I think 
most people here understand uh, that um, even though, yes, we did have dreams about being able to go to Eretz Yisrael at some point in time, in the not very distant future, um, but it was never with being out of here. Never with, with being out of here. Uh, we are very connected to uh, our shul family. And uh, in a certain sense, we have now a certain kind of a blessing. We're staying right here in Baltimore. We plan to continue to attend B'nai Jacob Shari Zion and participate in the life of B'nai Jacob Shari Zion. But there are certain things which I will be giving up. And uh, one of the hardest things about this change, without a doubt, you don't have to worry about it. One of the hardest things about, about this change, without a doubt, is that um, I will have to say no a lot. Explicitly and, uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, and um, sort of automatically. Uh, within the next couple of days, I'm going to be setting an auto-reply on my email. I'm moving over to a new platform, a new email platform, and uh, I'm keeping alive my address at B'nai Jacob Shari Zion, mhauer at bjsz.org. But um, I won't be able to communicate as much. I won't be able to be available as much for shyness, for questions, for consultations, for helping people in specific situations. Uh, that's been my life for the past 26 years. And um, and uh, uh, it's not going to be the main feature of my life. It's not going to be the main feature of my life for the uh, for the for the coming years. I can't help it. Uh, the job demands it. And I'm just going to have to be doing less of those things. I'm very, very thrilled that given that situation, the person who those messages and who those questions and who those queries will go to is someone of the cap capability, of the wisdom, of the sensitivity, of the values of Rabbi Daniel Rose. I feel that I've discharged or I'm discharging this responsibility to someone enormously capable. I've been spending time with Rabbi Rose, talking about it, talking about, about uh, the, this, this transition, and talking about how perhaps to be introduced a little bit to some of the, to, to, to the members of the shul and the members of the shul family. But I will miss very, very much. I will miss you. I'll miss talking to you all the time, answering your questions from the simple to the complex, helping you through situations. I will see you, Bezos Hashem. I'll see you on, on, in the shul. I'll see you Shabbosos on weekdays. Um, and uh, we'll see each other. We will speak to each other. Uh, much, much of my work over the past 26 years, like the work of every rabbi, is not what people see. It's not Shabbos. It's not giving a speech. It's not even speaking to people in shul on Shabbos. It's working with people, working for people, trying to help people all week, all day, all day. And um, I regret that I won't be able to do as much of that, especially over these days, these past few days. You know, Baruch Hashem, emails keep coming, questions keep coming, some just as they always did, some saying, you know, I'm going to be having this question, will you be able to help me? And um, I'm not always sure what to say. I don't know what to answer. I want to be able to help, and maybe with God's help, Somehow time will expand and we'll be able to do more. But um, that's going to be for me the biggest loss, the biggest change. I hope you understand. I appreciate your understanding. And um, it's, a, it's a difficult thing. 
uh, over uh, at a couple of junctures, and more than a couple, at several junctures, when people formulated the kind of uh, change that would be there in the in the shul and the relationship that would that that we would have. So, at a certain point, I I had an image in my mind that I shared with some of you, and that uh, privately, I think I don't think I ever said it publicly, and that was that you know. It, 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 it's it's perhaps something like the difference, you know, the transition is something like the difference between a, a father and a grandfather. Right? A father has to work all day, all night, in a great sense, to take care of his family, to take care of his children. He goes to work in order to feed them, to support them. They rely on him. He wakes up early in the morning to give them breakfast. He wakes up in the middle of the night, hopefully helps out to be able to also... No help if, if a child's not feeling well or something like that. He's there all the time. A grandfather's different. A grandfather doesn't wake up in the middle of the night usually, doesn't work uh, day and night have to, to have the primary responsibility to support and to take care of the children and of the family. But uh, they're still there. And they're there to, to, be, a, to, to, to be involved. They care. They see. They spend time. They're just not spending, they're just not the first stop day and night for it. And I hoped and hope that in a great sense that uh, that'll be our, uh, our, our continued relationship. It won't be for me, the shul won't be any more day and night. There'll be a new person taking that on, Rabbi Rose, Baruch Hashem. But I hope to be still a presence in the life of the shul. Um, when I mentioned this to, to our son Yisachar, he said, it's a very nice vision. I don't know what you're going to do. Like, imagine if my child came over to me tomorrow and he said, Abba, I need something. So I'm going to say to him, I'm sorry, Yosef, but I'm no longer your father. I'm now your grandfather. <laughs> um, it may not fly. He may not buy it. And um, I'm counting on you and hoping, Bezos Hashem, that we could be understanding of each other. My desire is, if I could, and if I can, I will. But I have to, uh, Bezos Hashem, be realistic about the responsibilities going forward. And again, be confident. Baruch Hashem, I am confident that uh, you are in, going to be in wonderful hands with, uh, with Rabbi Rose. So practically speaking, Bezos Hashem, starting, uh, starting this evening, as, uh, as we do this transition, the regular Shilas consultations will Bezos Hashem go to Rabbi Rose. Rabbi Rose will have the office phone number that you are used to, 410-764-7356. Rabbi Rose will have the office uh, that you're used to, has the office that you're used to, uh, Rabbi Rose does not have the email mhauer at bjsc.org. He has the email that you're also, many of you are used to, which is drose at bjsc.org. And uh, he is ready, willing, and able. And um, I'm willing and unable. Um, but um, I, I, uh, that begins Bezos Hashem right away. Uh, Rabbi Rose is, as you've seen already from the emails and the communications, the daily emails, Rabbi Rose is, is riding right now, Baruch Hashem, at the driver's seat to lead the shul forward, uh, at, uh, events, activities, shiurim, uh, all of the things that need to be done to equip our community and the members of our community and to reach out to the members of our community going forward, that has begun. Uh, for the for the near term, while this is going on, where we are still, to some degree, quarantined, so I'm not traveling, and uh, Rabbi Rose has asked me if I would continue to give the morning shiurim, the early morning shiur and the dafyomi shiur in the morning, which we've given around the shachris minyan, and uh, I will be continuing to do that for now. Uh, Baruch Hashem, I'm here, and I love to learn with uh, the members of our shul family, with the members of our community, and I relish the opportunity to continue to do so, and I will be doing so. 
Um, for the longer term, Bezos Hashem, there are things which we will keep in place. You know, the Sunday morning, Bereshashir will stay in place. And uh, Bezos Hashem, I will be around continuing some of the, uh, what people, some people call sort of like the highlight events, like Tisha B'Av, which we should learn how to celebrate in the terms of an Achama, Bezos Hashem, Bekorov, some of the Yom Tov lectures, I'll be in Shul, Emir Hashem, and someone involved on the Yomim No Roim. And uh, we're not going anywhere. We'll still be present with each other. We'll still have lots of, lots of connection, lots of relationship as things happen. But in terms of, again, of the practicalities of the transition, uh, tonight, Baruch Hashem, we turn uh, that responsibility over to the capable hands of Rabbi Rose. So let's talk, I want to, as we said, really look back a little bit and look forward. Looking back, so I want to just simply express gratitude. It's an amazing thing to consider what uh, we have had together over these past 26 years. For me, it's, uh, for me, it's just an amazing thing. Starting with modest beginnings, days when we had to use the phone to call people and get them to come to join for, so we could have a minion. So we could have a minion for Shachris during the week. So we could have a minion for Minchamarev. To the days when that Baruch Hashem quickly disappeared, when one Yontav afternoon, I walked by the house of one of our members, and I'm, I'm studiously avoiding mentioning particular names because there are hundreds of names. And uh, we decided to start learning. A person had a Seder with two other people uh, weekday mornings, actually, ironically, in the Shari Zion basement. And they said, well, we'd, we'd love if we could learn with you. And, uh, and I said, okay, great. Should we invite anybody else? Yeah, you could announce it. You can invite anybody else. And uh, as a rabbi then, with a few months of experience, I knew that you know, when you make an announcement that something's going to happen, that really means that nobody's going to show up. But that Shabbos, we announced that Monday morning, we we're going to start learning with a few people at 6, 10 in the morning, Meseches Havei And uh, besides those three people who had planned originally to come, people just came. They came through the door. The members of the shul started showing up, and we had, we ended up having out of 12 people sitting in the lobby of the old Bnei Jacob on Seven Mile Lane, the current Beit Yaakov, and started a learning that continues to this day, Baruch Hashem. And we never called for a minion again, as far as I can know. We never called for a minion again. And that was the shul, that was the beginning of a trajectory of a shul that grew around Chabura, around learning Torah, around relationship, people who are members of that shiur, like all shiurim. It's what they learn, but it's also the connection to one another, the connections which are forged around the table, around doing something meaningful together that exists in so many little groups within our shul and then in the broad, in the broad expanse of the shul. It's just been an amazing thing to see how the shul has developed and the place that it has come to occupy in our community. Personally, I and my family are filled with gratitude. We, we will never be able to properly express or somehow repay the gratitude which we feel to everyone who's here to the dozens or the hundreds who have been here and who are no longer here. If there are two names that I can mention, they are my father-in-law and mother-in-law. who are the only reason that I'm here talking to you now. 
not only because they used nepotism to get me the job, but because their attitude and approach still informs the culture of our shul. So how do I express gratitude to everybody? And appreciation for being a rabbi who's been in one shul. We're going to call it one shul. Yes, two addresses, but one shul. For 26 years, who's been treated with respect and with warmth and with care. People making sure that he's taken care of, that he can support his family. People making sure that he knows that he's appreciated. People responding to what he has to teach and what he has to share. It's very rare to occupy a position like that. And you, all of you, have created this culture of warmth and appreciation and kindness. And it has, it has enveloped us. It has enveloped us, it has enveloped our family. And we, uh, we don't know how to, how to thank you enough. You should just know that we appreciate it. All of us appreciate it. All of my children, all of our children appreciate it deeply. They're all sitting around here. You just can't see them, they're off camera. Mindy is sitting opposite me. Um, and uh, I'm the only one who has to be a mess on camera. So we have tremendous appreciation for the warmth, for the continued love and kindness that you shower upon us. We hope to continue to benefit from it and to continue to reciprocate it. I may have asked from Shana till 120 years for each and every one of us in good health. I have to express appreciation because I feel very strongly that you have expanded us. Our shul is not a little cookie cutter. Our shul has so many different kinds of people, so many different kinds of backgrounds, so many different kinds of current values and strengths. When I think about everybody and how much I've learned from the opportunity to interact with everybody here, every unique life story, you'll see my finger, excuse me, go across the screen, but I'm gonna take just like a, a moment now to just like stream through over here and look at some of the faces. People have been, been kind enough, I appreciate seeing you and I appreciate it and I look like each person if I pause, I think about what I've learned and what I've gained, and it's, it's really, really something. It's really, really, really something amazing and beautiful and special, and thank you for being again on, on camera. It's, uh, it's, it's not, a, not a small thing. I think about it sometimes. I have a little black book. It's called the Madrich. The Madrich is like a little rabbi's book, rabbi's guide. When my father retired, he gave me his. When my father-in-law retired, he gave me his. I left one of them in the office. Rabbi Rose, it's behind my desk. Uh, I don't use really regularly either one because there's a newer version. But I, every time, every time I have a funeral, so Levinson's gives you a card about this big, a three by five card, I think it is, or a four by six card, and it has just the quick details of the person. And over the years, what I, the habit which I got into was that I would write notes on the back of it about the things that I wanted to say about the person when I eulogized them. They, they, they was given there at the time of the funeral. And uh, I, I saved them all in my father's old madrich. 
I have like a big section of them. It doesn't fit. It's sort of like the cover is torn off. So that's why it's there. It's between the covers. And uh, on rare occasions, I'll just, I pull it out and I just look through the cards. And I remember what I've learned from spending 26 years, unfortunately, on occasion, having to focus on this, bearing, be involved in the midst of burying people and seeing that it has never failed that when it comes the time to speak about someone, there's always something outstanding about every person. Outstanding. You don't have to exaggerate. You don't have to make up stories. And I've always tried to be careful not to exaggerate. I don't call people one of the 36 tzaddikim if they're not one of the 36 tzaddikim. And honestly, and you'll forgive me, but I don't think I ever buried one of the 36 tzaddikim. But I buried Amech Kulom Tzadikim. Everyone has something, something outstanding. We recognize it in, in life. We recognize it certainly when we just drill in and focus on it. And it has been a remarkably expansive experience, a life experience for me, to get to know each and every one of you who is here now and the hundreds of others over the years. And in that sense, I feel absolutely like a transformed and grown person from this experience. And I will be forever grateful for that. You're a rich, rich kahila. You're a rich group of people in who you are, in your lives, and what you've done, and what you continue to do. And uh, I've benefited from, that, benefited from that riches immeasurably. The third thing that I want to express appreciation for, beyond the warmth and kindness, which is immense, beyond the expansiveness of the ability that I've had to grow through relationship with you, is to grow through the responsibility of, of being a Rav, of being your Rav. talk should have with it some words of Torah. It should have some words of Torah from the Parsha. And this is an easy one. I'll share with you a word of Torah that I've shared with you many a time, several times. From the second Parsha that we read this week, which is Parsha's Kedoshim. It's a double Parsha again this week, Achremos Kedoshim. We have the mitzvah kedoshim tiu ki kodosh ani Hashem alokechem be holy because I Hashem your God, I am holy. And the obvious difficulty we have to understand, what does that mean? What's the instruction of a Jewish people to be holy? And how could we be holy like God's holiness? And one of the classic, beautiful, beautiful sources on this, although it's quite a modern source just from the last century, from the 20th century, earlier 20th century was is the introduction of Rav Shimon Shkop to his Shari Yosher, where he wrote that uh, the mitzvah of Kedoshim Tiyu, to be like God, to be holy like God, what is holiness? He said, holiness isn't prayer, holiness isn't learning. The holiness of God that we speak about is that God doesn't need anything for himself. God has, is, contains everything that he would ever need. But God's business of life, so to speak, is about sharing and about giving. God's world of relationship isn't about taking for himself, it's about giving to others. And when there's a mitzvah of being holy like God, of Kedoshim Tiu, that mitzvah is that we ourselves should try to orient ourselves towards giving, to spend our lives as much as all as possible focused on giving. There's a word for it, a word which I was privileged to grow up with. I grew up with it in the home of my parents. I grew up with it at the feet of my rabbeim, my teachers. And the word was, is, achrayus, or if it's my mother, should be well, achrayut, responsibility. Life is about taking responsibility and doing for others. Rav Shimon Shkop himself says in this same introduction 
that there's a famous Chazal, Aser to Aser. The Pasuk says, Tithe you shall tithe, and Chazal say, Aser bishvil shatit asher. Tithe so that you will be made wealthy. And he says that the idea is because when HaKadosh Baruch when Hashem gives things to people, He's always looking to find the person who's going to take it and be good with it and use it to share, to give. Hashem gives people a resource because He wants that person to be the dispenser of that resource, to give it, to share it around. And so the Torah says, if you tithe, if you give away meaningfully from what you've been given, God says, this is a person to whom I want to give. I want to give to that person because they're going to do with it what I want them to do with it. They've taken achrayas, they've taken responsibility to share with others. If they're willing to take responsibility, I want to give them more. God himself follows the dictum that if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Give it to a person who's busy trying to care, trying to care for others. And so explained Rav Shimon Shkup. He said, I think that this is what Chazal mean when they say, yoser It's a famous passage in the Gemara where one of the sages said, I learned a lot from my teachers. I learned more from Chaverai, from my peers, but from my students I learned more than anybody. And there are many ways to understand that. And one way to understand it is what I said a moment ago in the second point, the expansive experience of learning from the people who you ostensibly are teaching. But Rav Shimon Shed said something else, and he said that a person who takes a responsibility to try to teach Torah to others, Hashem says, if he's going to be trying to teach Torah to others, I have to give him more of it because he's not going to keep it for himself. He's going to be sharing it, and he's going to be the channel through which other people are going to get to Torah. And if he's going to be that channel, I have to put stuff in there. He can't have nothing to say. The amount of Torah that you have come day after day, night after night, week after week, to come and to learn, have granted me, without question, a gift from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a gift from above, a gift from the Rabbana Shalom, who has granted me to be able to just somehow gain so much from His Torah. And only because only because it is very clear to me, I'm not saying this with any falsehood or anything else, it's just clear to me. Before I started teaching Torah, I did not merit to have these kinds of, this kind of wisdom or insight that, that the Torah has given, that the teaching of Torah has given. And uh, I feel that it has been life-changing for me and an enormous gift, and it is only because you have given me the opportunity that you have been there to, 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 to take it, to learn. There's, if there's anything which ranks to me in personal preciousness, to the relationships, to my dear family, to my dear Shul family, it's the Avas Torah, the love of <laughs> of the life transforming Torah of Hashem. And whatever I've been able to have in it is because of you. And I will never be able, be able to repay that debt. That's looking back. Looking forward. 
there's a lot to look forward to. The shul is a special place, and the shul Bezos Hashem is heading forward to very special times under a very, very outstandingly special person and an outstandingly special Rav. Our Rav, Rabbi Daniel Rose. Our shul has a culture, as alluded to before. There are many elements to that culture. I want to enumerate some of them. I want to define, and Rabbi Rose will permit me, I know he will permit me, to define to enumerate the special qualities of the culture of our shul. I feel comfortable saying them because I'm not imposing them on anybody. I'm not imposing them on the congregants. You know, Baruch Hashem, Baltimore has a lot of shuls. The people who have chose to come are usually not because it's next door. It's because these are the things that we all share and value. And without any question, these are the things that Rabbi Rose shares and values, which is why he was such an obvious and overwhelming choice to be the, to be the, the next Rav of the shul. Our shul values something which I like to call Torah's Chaim. Torah's Chaim, it's a phrase from our tefillah. Torah's Chaim, a Torah of life. What does it mean, a Torah of life? So we're going to, we'll share three definitions of a Torah's Chaim. One is that the Torah is alive, vibrant, passionate, not dead. The Torah is not a dead experience. It's alive, it's vibrant, it's growing. We're always looking for a new frontier, a new direction, a new place to take our Torah, a new place to take our tefillah. Complacency, standing still, is not for living things. Living things move, living things grow. And if Torah is alive, then Torah always has to be growing, always has to be changing. We always have to find something new, something new to do, something new to learn, something new to practice, a new way to pray, a new insight into our tefillah, a new angle on how Torah defines our lives as avas chesed and everything else, a Torah which is passionate and alive. Always something new, always something new. That's one element of Torah's Chaim. The second is a Torah that produces a balanced life, that's part of life. You know that sometimes religion can present as an extreme, as a corner, as something which a person does that doesn't somehow jive or fit a balance that exists in life. We've always strived as a quality of our shul that we should be healthy people, physically healthy, we hope and pray, and we make the efforts, emotionally healthy, that the Torah should somehow answer the need for emotional direction for direction in our lives and our relationships, that it should fit in to our lives. It shouldn't be jarring. It shouldn't be a separate room. It should be seamless. Torah's Chaim, a Torah that's part and parcel of our lives. And finally, Torah's Chaim is where the part of the discussion of Torah and the learning of Torah is to take Torah and the values of Torah to be able to teach us how to live life, how to confront today's situation, how to confront what we expect to happen around the corner, how to address the contemporary, the challenges of contemporary life, to have open, direct discussion about how Torah addresses life. One of the concepts, one of the rules of thumb, which I've always tried to live by, is if, people are walking to shul, 
thinking about something, talking about something. They're going to walk home from shul thinking about something, talking about something, because that's on their mind. In shul, they may be thinking about something and talking about something. If I'm going to get up and speak on Shabbos, and I'm going to just tell them a vort, a thought on the Parsha, that has nothing to do with what they're thinking about when they're walking in and when they're leaving and when they're there in between, whether it's something which is going on in the world, whether it is the challenges of the affordability of Jewish life, how am I going to pay tuition, whether it's going to be you know, anything, the challenges of raising our children, of shalom bias in stressful situations. You can't always speak to what every person is thinking about all the time. But you must always speak to what people are thinking about. Because if Torah isn't the most relative, relevant rather, excuse me, the most relevant source for how I'm supposed to figure out how to navigate this world that I live in, then I've relegated Torah to a, to a little corner. And it's a desecration. It's a chil Hashem. It's a desecration of Hashem's name. Torah speaks to life. So a Torah's chayim, a vibrant Torah, a Torah that's fits in with life, that's balanced and healthy, and a Torah that can be brought to bear on every challenge and every question which we face in life. Straight and to the point. These are hallmarks of the culture of our shul. Another hallmark, Klal Yisrael. Our shul, the members of our shul, represent Klal Yisrael, but we're not quite broad enough, not quite broad enough. But we do, even with the inherent narrowness, which is there in a shul that's in a specific geographic location, with uh, whatever it's, uh, it's minhagim and so on, but there's a devotion that the members of our shul have to Klal Yisrael, to the broadest definition of the Jewish people to Jews, to individual Jews, to the causes of the Jewish people. We have been committed as a kehila, and I've learned so much from so many members of our shul in this regard. We've been committed as kehila and as individuals within the kehila to strengthen the bonds of connection between all Jews. And at times, to be the ones to serve as an accessible role model or as accessible role models of orthodoxy to the broader Jewish community, to the broader Jewish world. This commitment to Klal Yisrael b'chol makom sheheim, to the Jewish people wherever they are, whoever they are, what they do, how they live their lives, their values, where they are, but to connect, to understand that we're family, for goodness sake, we're family, we're one mishpacha. We have to care for each other, we have to take care of each other. Inside of us, each of us has the same heart, the same beating heart, the same neshama, the same feelings of truth. It's the culture of our shul. It's a culture which is precious, which we will continue to cherish together, which I've learned so much from Bezus Hashem and hope to bring to whatever future endeavors we're involved with. Another element of the culture of our shul is trying to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu, trying to see God in our lives and specifically in our times, in what we're going through, to stop and to realize the moment of Jewish history that we occupy. I've said to you dozens of times, probably at this point in time, we are the generation that has seen six million move from the number of victims of a singular event in Jewish history, the awful Holocaust, to being the generation of the wondrous six million now seven million residents of Eretz Yisrael, Jewish residents of Medina Yisrael of Eretz Yisrael. A person 
after the Holocaust, could not be blamed for saying, how could there be a God if there's a Holocaust? Our task is to update the question. Because now the question is, when you see the rebirth of the Jewish people after being literally on the threshold of absolute destruction, of absolute despair, and we see what has happened, the rebirth of Torah, the regeneration of Jewish life, the restoration of the Jewish people to a thriving, thriving commonwealth in Eretz Yisrael, how can you not believe? How can you not believe? One cannot deny the existence of God in seeing this. We have tried to be awake to this. Yeah. Do we say Hallel on Yom Hatzmaut? Don't we say Hallel on Yom Hatzmaut? Our hallmark has been, that's a nice halachic question. But what we will refuse to do is not say thank you, not recognize deeply, strongly, to express gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the greatest story of Hashkocha Pratis, the greatest story of divine providence that one could possibly imagine. So there's a value of a Torah's Chaim and its three dimensions, vibrance and balance and informing life. There's a value of Klal Yisrael and there's a value of seeing Hashem in our lives, seeing Hashem in history. Deciphering the lessons of today's experience of history is something which we're not ready to do yet, of Corona, of what it has done. But we'll see Him here, and we must see Him here as well. But last, and absolutely not least, last, mentioned, but first and foremost, Last, because sov dovor hakol nishma, what matters ultimately and what is the ultimate hallmark of our shul and what will ultimately make or break for each of us and for all of us, is that a shul is a community of people who care for each other. A shul succeeds and our shul has succeeded to the extent that it's a caring place. To the extent that the leadership tries to care, has tried to care, to the extent that each and every one of you looks out for each other, has looked out for each other, has created warmth and caring and easy times and hard times. We haven't succeeded 100% of the time. I know I have failed many, many times and continue to fail. It's hard. It's hard to be able to always remember to be there, to care, to look out, but we have to always strive and realize that a shul's success is not how many people are in the building, it's not how retired or not retired the mortgages, how beautiful the seats are, how many simchas or how many kiddushim or how many whatever, how many shiurim. The shul is defined, like the Jewish people, is defined as gomle chasodim, they gomle chasodim to the extent that every person is noticed, that every person is cared for, that we provide the members of the community with a true sense of belonging, a true sense of family. Everything else is commentary. Everything else is commentary. The Torah begins with Gemilus Chasodim and it ends with Gemilus Chasodim. It begins and it ends with kindness. Those are the elements of the culture of our shul. And that's what I'm looking forward to. That this bastion of a vibrant and real and tangible engagement in Torah life. This place which is committed to Klal Yisrael, to the totality of the Jewish, Jewish people, this place which is so aware of the presence of Hashem's hand in history, in our time, in our lives. This place of love, of chesed, of community. will just continue and thrive that way. I know these are the values of Rabbi Rose, Rabbi Daniel Rose. Our Rav, my Rav, 
from this day forward. Let's make it, Vezuz Hashem, continue with strength, onward and upward. Oh boy, was this a heavy tuck. What do you do, you know? Lots stored up. Now, I would like to actually ask <laughs> Rabbi Rose, I would like to actually formally hand over Who's handling the screen? Is someone handling the screen? I want to actually hand over the baton formally to Rabbi Rose. <laughs> they always said you were a wizard. <laughs> I dropped off a copy of the baton this afternoon at Rabbi Rose's house. <laughs> But I would, I would uh, ask two things. First of all, I would like to lead in a song in honor of our new Rav, Rabbi Rose. Rabbi Rose wants to take a couple of minutes not to thank me, just to speak about the future. Bezos Hashem, you're welcome to take after we sing the song. And if people could just stay on the, on the screen so I could just say, say hello. I so appreciate seeing everybody, okay? So I'm going to lead the song. Hayamim al yimei melech toisiv shnaisav kimai darvadar. Hayamim al yimei melech toisiv shnaisav kimai darvadar. Hayamim al yimei melech toisiv shnaisav kimai darvadar. Hayamim al yimei melech toisiv. Thank you. I, I just say one thing that is uh, there might be nothing harder in the world than sitting in the seat, let's say, of uh, such an incredible leader, such a warm and caring Tom Chacham was taught so much of us, so many of us so much and left his indelible imprint on the shul and might be nothing harder than that. But there's nothing easier than stepping into a shul which is full of the same influence, which is full of people who genuinely care for each other and care for the shul and they believe with all their heart in all the all the core ikarim, all the cores of belief that you just enumerated, and yurzchus uh, and merzchus. I know there are very, very special and fantastic things coming ahead for each of us, for us as a show, uh, and with everything you have given me and given us. Yamim al yameinu tosif. Hashem will just add good and beautiful and sweet years for all of us together. Amen.